look with me at it, and we're going to spend some time in the book of Luke. I was reading through the book of Luke recently, and I'm just, I mean, it'll light you fire. Just reading the book of Luke, Dr. Luke gave us a unique, beautiful understanding of the Lord Jesus and what he was doing here on earth and what occurred. But you can't look at the life of Christ without what he says in chapter 3. I'm going to read it. Y'all follow me. Now the 15th year of the reign of uh, Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being the governor of Judea, and Herod the Tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip Tetrarch of uh, Eternia, and of the region of Trachonitis and Lacinian, the Tetrarch of Abilene. I got that word right. That's in Texas. Uh, Ananias and uh, uh, Caiaphas being the high priest, uh, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Verse 3. And he came unto all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough way shall be made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him. Boy, he's encouraging those, those uh, candidates right now. He says, O generations of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. We would have been saying, Mom, I'm so glad that you came to be baptized today. And John slaps him right upside the head with, Hey, you bunch of vipers. And he was more truthful. <laughs> Verse 8. Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say within yourself, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. He hadn't done anything, accomplished anything. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Every tree thereof, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. I want to make sure I don't get hewn down. How about you? There's, there, there's a still a hewing down going on. Uh, hewing down, doing, if you are just faking it, you're not going to stick with it. You'll be hewn down. You follow it? Got the line of thinking? If, if you quit, that's a problem. Now the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree therefore which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, cast into the fire. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? That's a good question. And he answered and said unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also publicans to be baptized. And, he said unto the, and they said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you, 
And the soldiers likewise demanded to him, saying, And what shall we do? Man, these are good questions. All three of them asked him. At three groups. And he said to them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Man, that's, that's a statement. And as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, and the latches of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge the floor and will gather the wheat unto his garner, but the chaff he shall burn with fire unquenchable. And my goodness, has Jesus not done that? He has turned the world upside down, hasn't he? That's exactly what he's saying there. Verse 18, and many other things in his exhortation preached he. In other words, he didn't just preach one thing, and many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. But Herod the Tekarite being reproved of him, uh, for Herodias, his brother's wife, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heavens were was open, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. And that good? And Jesus himself began uh, to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. And I'll spare you the rest of the chapter. So-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so. And it's so important that it's there as a record because for someone to sit on the throne in Jerusalem, do you realize there's no one alive today that can legally sit on the throne in Israel at Jerusalem? No one alive on this earth today. Let me say it that way. Because your genealogy has to be lifted, taking you back to Abraham. And there's only one, since the temple fire in 70 A.D., there's only one Jewish man that has his records. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. One Messiah. Amen. Now Luke was a doctor, and he told us of the birth of Jesus and the birth of John. And uh, he, his purpose in writing is to write a gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, and that would be impossible for Luke to write that gospel without talking about John the Baptist. So in chapter 3, it centers on the man John. Uh, not a word is heard from God for 400 years. You do know this, uh, this is no... no uh, Coincidence, there's, there's 400 years of silence between the two Testaments. Okay, 400 years of silence. The Old Testament writings ended in 430 B.C. 430. You know, we think that 20 years is a long time. 400 years 
That's a long time. That's a long time. So Malachi was the last to speak a word from God and be recorded. So he's the last of the Old Testament prophets. John ministry, his begins in 28 A.D. 28 A.D., okay? And so the 400 years, a lot took place in there. A lot took place. I'm going to give you a, a quick kind of update of what happened. At the time of Malachi, Malachi of his writing, uh, the Jews were in the ex, exile period. Many of the Jews were carried off to Babylon from Judea, from the Judah section. The uh, northern kingdom, which it was divided, of course, you know, under Rehoboam, the northern kingdom was, was conquered in 722 by the Persians. And uh, the Babylonians conquered Jerusalem and Judea in 597, you know, after that uh, earlier date. And so both kingdoms are already conquered and, and in captivity in the sense of being ruled by other, other forces, other peoples. But there are still many Jews in Palestine. Now, many were hauled off to Babylon. Uh, what's, what's one of the Old Testament prophets was, that was carried off to Babylon? What was his name? Daniel. What prophet do we know that was left there with the people? Jeremiah. We know that. Okay? And, by the way, they left the poor, and they took the best of the people and carried them off to Babylon. And they left the poor, and, you know, a few, few others escaped it, but... They're left there in the area of Palestine. Now, they've been under the control of different governments. The Persians uh, had conquered, and the Babylonians had conquered the two nations, or the two divisions. And then the Persians conquered the Babylonians. This is, this is world history, okay? It just happens. And then the Persians were conquered by Alexander the Great. And then Alexander Great was asked, who are you going to leave us to? And he said, to the strongest, to the one that can take it. So four generals, and it was divided in the four areas. And Ptolemy was the general that ruled this area of Palestine next. And then the Romans come into play in around 63 B.C. Now the people suffered during this time. They uh, suffered many things under the rule of other people. During that time, they built synagogues and, uh, and, and they were teaching the Old Testament Talmud. There's the religious sects were developed in that period of time. And who are the two religious I'm on Wednesday night here, okay? Y'all stay with me. Uh, who were the two religious sects that were uh, strong in Jerusalem and Palestine at the time? What was one of them? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? And the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know why the Sadducees were? They were Sadducees. They didn't believe in the resurrection. And so these things were developed during that time. And now Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, this prophecy it says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of that great and dreadful day of the Lord. So Malachi says that, that Elijah is going to come that day of the Lord. And he's speaking, as we know, looking back, of the appearing of the Lord Jesus. And, of course, he appeared. Now, the majority of the prophets, though, they didn't understand Isaiah chapter 53. They did not understand Isaiah 53. 
that the Messiah would be suffering, that he would be suffering because the Father was allowing him to take the chastisement that you and I deserve, the punishment on the cross that you and I deserve because of our sins. They did not see that. They couldn't imagine. They see a Messiah coming and conquering the Romans at that time and setting up a throne and ruling the world. That's what they... You know, we always want to see the best, don't we? We, we don't... We hardly ever... Now, some of us are pessimists, but most of us, we, we don't want to look at that part. We want to just see... You know, we, we, if, if I ever make you a promise, you don't... You, you never heard me tell you the qualifying factors. For example, when you listen to a salesman on the telephone telling you everything you want to hear, you forgot to mention that he said that this may not, any, any of it come true. Send me your money. And that's what happened to them. They did not understand that. So, consequently, the Old Testament prophets, prophets basically looked over the church age and they see the coming of Christ in, in the cloud and ruling the world, the book of Revelation. That's that valley of the church age that we talk about, the valley of the church age, right? So the last words of Malachi is speaking about Elijah coming. And here comes John, and it says that he came in the, the spirit of Elijah. Now, Elijah died 800 years before, taken up. The spirit of Elijah is what John has. And Jesus actually confirmed to us that John is the actual coming of, of Elijah. That's Matthew chapter 11, verse 14. He said, and if you will receive it, he said, if you'll believe this, he said, this, speaking of John, is Elias, which was to come. So John fulfills the ministry of Elijah. But now think about this. Elijah is actually going to come. During the tribulation period, Elijah and Moses are going to come to earth, and they're going to, there's the two the prophets there that are, that are martyred in Jerusalem at the halfway point of the tribulation period. You with me? Now, they are going to be raptured. Take it up. They're going to be taken up. We don't know if anyone else will go up with them, but them two, and they say, it's clear, it's clear in the book of Revelation that the world will see that. Thanks to satellite TV and streaming, if we can keep paying the bill, right? Those people that are left behind are going to see it. I'm going to be on the other side. How about you? And so, uh, that, that's where we're at. That's what's happening. John is fulfilling the ministry of Elijah, and Jesus is coming on to the scene. So Luke begins with, this, with the historical setting going on in chapter 3. He tells us about the evils of the rulers going on. Tiberius, I mean, he, was, he was cruel. Pilate, brutal. He massacred people. And Jesus even referred to this stuff, this corruption that was going on. I'm going to tell you something. We don't want to live in a society that has no belief in God. Whether they're saved or not is not the important factor here. The important factor is that rulers need to believe that they're going to answer to God someday. When they don't think they're going to answer to God, they get more cruel. 
Now John comes into this time. Now when God spoke, he did not speak through the world leaders. He didn't even speak through the religious leaders. In chapter 3, verse 2, notice what it says. He says, And Ananias and Caiaphas, being the high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Now listen, if I was the pope, that would offend me. And that's what they are, right? That's really what Caiaphas and Annas is. They're really the pope of the day. But the word of God did not come to the religious leaders. It went out into the wilderness to a little boy born to Zacharias and, and his wife of old age. The word of God came to the wilderness to a little man named John. God speaks to those who will hear him. John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Now listen, the thing we need to understand here, and we need to get this, when things look hopeless for the people of God, that's when God shows up. That's when God speaks. That's when God moves. Hey, would you be willing to wait on God? Oh, but preacher, on this issue, I cannot wait on God. No, 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 that's the issue. Whatever that is burdening your brain right now, that's the issue. You need to get out of the way and wait on God. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I I, I tell you, you can get yourself into more trouble than you know what to do with if you don't learn how to wait on God. You know it's true. You know it's true. Now listen. I don't know when Jesus is going to return. I used to know. Anybody with me? I'm I'm forming a new group, those who used to know. I don't I, I have been so disappointed every time somebody says he's coming here then. He's coming then. I, I don't know why I didn't obey the Bible and say no man knows the day or the hour. I don't know why I didn't pay attention when he said, when they say he's over here and over here, don't worry about it. He's not going to do that. I don't know why I didn't listen. We're anxious, right? We have anxiety, don't we, Heather? And, and we want it to happen. We want it to take place, and we, 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 we bite on every, every, every opportunity. But we don't know. Luke tells us in chapter 12, he says, Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour that you think not. So I'm waiting for everybody to give up, and then he's going to come. <laughs> the Lord's going to trick you somehow. He, God likes a good joke, amen? He does. He loves a good joke, and the joke is on us. God shows up when you least expect it. If you'll just expect it. If you just be faithful and trust Him, let Him deal with it. He'll show up. Now, now, God skipped over the world leaders and He skipped over the religious leaders and He spoke to this insignificant man named John. And, and isn't that just like God? Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I, I, I love this verse. It says in verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. So we got a group of misfits here, don't we? There might be one stand out among us. 
But he said, I'm, and I like one guy said, I'm glad he didn't say any. <laughs> he said, not many. Not many, see your calling, brother, that not many wise men not after flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Everybody tries to trick God, and the trick is always on the people. He knows the front from the back, the inside from the out, the outside from the end. You just don't fool someone that knows it all. Is there any, is there anybody that God would pick above John, though? Jesus called him the greatest of all the prophets. Now, if John had an advisor, and preachers all have advisors, I have advisors. They call me all the time and they tell me what I need to do. I really don't even have to think. I just need to do what I'm suggesting. Now, preacher, I don't want to tell you what to do, but... <laughs> hey, listen, and I'm not eliminating any of you. All of you are capable, and I don't mind you doing it. But I wish you could walk in my shoes a while and do the ideals that you bring up. <laughs> John... If he had an advisor, John, what about that wardrobe you, you have on? He wasn't the last preacher that people thought he was messed up in the way he dressed. I remember when, when I, I stopped wearing a suit and tie, I've had people tell me, I, I may be wired tie, and say, boy, you look like a preacher today. Well, that's a reverse left-handed compliment, isn't it? Or left-handed criticism, isn't it? And I don't mind. I don't, it really, I don't mind. You could say, preacher, I just hate that shirt. I, I, can I tell you why I, I quit wearing suits? Because none of them would fit. And I have a rule. I'm not going to buy any bigger clothes. Anybody else have that rule? That's the only way you can get yourself to lose weight. You can't wear anything. I remember going in my closet, and we got us a big walk-in closet now where I have room. And I go in there and I throw this in that pile and I throw it in that pile and I throw it in that pile and, and when I can button it, I'll put it on, keep it on. You thought it was theology caused me not to wear my suit. If I get down a little bit more, I'll put one on. John, what about that wardrobe? You, that camel hair suit, they've been out of date for years. I remember we had a guy, old Calvin, he thought he was the sharpest dresser in town. He, he, he actually was a pretty sharp dresser. I had this evangelist coming to town. He'd come up there and he, he fiddled with that old jacket he had on. He said, man, that's a sharp-looking jacket you got. Old Calvin started falling in for it. He said, you keep it about 20 years, it'll be back in style. <laughs> a left-handed criticism again, right? John, what about that diet that you were on? You're, grasshoppers? I mean, who's going to have you over for dinner and, and cook you grasshopper? And John, here's the big one. You're just too harsh. John, you're just, you're just too harsh. You're, too, you're, just, you're just radical. You're just, you're just too hard. And like the other day, when all them people come up here to be baptized, you caught them a bunch of snakes. And we've been working hard to get people to come hear you, and then you talk like that. I'm sure he had those advisors, aren't you? But old John was more like the common man than the religious leaders. He's from the wilderness. And we've all had our wilderness experience, haven't we? Now here's what John, he said, I heard a word from God. He heard a word from God. 
I want to hear a word from God. Now, I don't care what you're wearing. I don't care how you're looking. And you can eat whatever you want. I remember we had one preacher here. I could not please him everywhere I took him. He, he couldn't be happy. I don't care what you like to eat. It's do you have a word from God? And it says it's manner. Old John went about the country preaching. You know, we still do that. Isn't that good? We still do that. Verse 4, And Jesus answered him, saying, Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. And verse 4, verse 4, As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. This is, a, this is right out of the scripture, isn't it? It's from Isaiah chapter 40. He's sent from God. And let me tell you, preachers ought to be sent from God. Preachers ought to be called by God. Uh, you don't want to be a volunteer preacher. And, and there's a lot of volunteer preachers. I'm glad you volunteer, but there's a difference between a volunteer and a calling. I, I was listening to a radio station this one night, and this guy was saying, how can I get into this preaching business? I'm thinking, why would you want to get into it? It's a calling. It's a calling. Now, this is Isaiah 40, verse 3 to 5. The message is clear that God, God sent John to prepare the way of the Lord. Guess what our job is today? One of our main jobs as Christians is to prepare the way of the Lord. Tell people Jesus is coming. And so John, is uh, he's, he's going and, and he's announcing Jesus. And that's what he's going to do. He's going to announce him that he is the Messiah at the baptism of Jesus. And, and the baptism is sort of like an initiation into ministry, Jesus being about 30 years old. And he's called by John the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world. He's pointing out Jesus. That's our job. That's our job. Verse 21, look at verse 21 of the text. It says, And now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and, and praying, the heavens were open, it says. And then verse 22, And the Holy Ghost descended uh, in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And the voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. It's a miracle, isn't it? The Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost came upon Jesus. And the voice from heaven, the Father speaks. This is my Son. Believe Him. Pointing that Jesus is the Messiah. The Son of God. The Savior of the world. Now then John also talks about preparation for the Savior. If you want the Savior in your life, there's some preparation. There's to be repentance of sin. God hadn't changed His mind about sin. He hasn't. There's got to be. And, and notice he says, every, verse 5, And every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. There's going to be a lot of changes going on. It's what Jesus is going to do. That's what John is saying there. The valley's filled, and the mountain's brought down low. This is allegorical about the people in high places are going to be brought down. The people in low places are going to be raised up. And things are changing here. The crooked's going to be made straight. I've known a lot of crooked people that got made straight by Jesus. 
He's preparing people for the Savior. Look at verse 7. He said, Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who shall warn you to flee from the wrath of God? If, if, John, if John was alive today, oh, he, he'd be, oh, Lord, he, oh, you generation of Wookiees. He'd be all over that, wouldn't he? Verse 8, he says, Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. Now, as a Christian, when we get saved, we begin a life of turning to God. And when we turn from God to sin, we're turning in the wrong direction. And it causes a question to be made about our true salvation, whether we are saved or not. There's a turning to God. And we, you know, not that we don't all fall short and we all sin and come short of the glory of God, but the nature of the Christian is like a sheep not like a hog or a goat or, or like a dog. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, what does a dog do? Well, a dog can be a filthy animal. He can clean up for a while. You can clean him up for a while. But he's a dog. And his nature is to eat dead stuff and other stuff. That's his nature. The nature of a hog, you can put a beautiful ribbon on a hog and pin him up, pin him up, but he will soon be in the mud, wallowing in the mud. But a sheep, that's the nature of a Christian. We wander away. We wander away because we take our eyes off the shepherd. We get our mind on what we're doing. We get our mind on what we're trying to do, and we, we, we get to thinking about what we're up to and what we're doing. We get our eyes off the shepherd, and we wander away from the will of God. Amen? Hey, listen, if you are just an opportunity waiting to happen, you've never been born of the Spirit of God. Did I hear amen there? I'm dead. I ain't hearing the amen where they need to be. If, if you are a mistake waiting to happen, you need to be saved. But a Christian wanders into sin. We're led, we're drawn, we're tempted. That's why we have to be careful of temptation. We're to pray every day, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because we have a propensity to go downward away from God rather than directing to God. So John preaches on that. So preachers have, to, preachers have to preach on sin, don't we? Sleeping in church. We pick those good ones out, right? Sleeping in church. Sleeping and not coming to church. Get your Red Bull out on Sunday morning. <laughs> Whoever knows that, who's that's too. <clears throat> yeah, Amen. Now, these people ask the right question. Let me tell you something. That is a sign of real repentance. Yes, 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 that's a sign. Asking the right questions. Not what, here, here's the wrong question. What can I do and still be a Christian? That's not the right question. What can I get away with and still be a Christian? That's not the right question. The right question, verse 10. And the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? That's the right spirit. Somebody comes up here and they supposedly get saved and then they try to tell you how it's supposed to be. And that's not the right spirit. 
I like Goa, my preacher friend. When he got saved, when he got saved, he, he said, Preacher, whatever you want me to do, I'm ready to do it. He said, if that preacher would have told me I needed to have been baptized seven times because I was such a bad sinner, I'd been baptized seven times. Whatever. The right spirit of a Christian is not, how can I make division? How can I divide things up? But how can I be a blessing? How can I help? I want to help out. Hey, going to church is just not showing up and doing your own thing and then going about your business. It's volunteering and saying, what can I do? How can I be a blessing? Anybody want to drink water? There it is. The right question. He, he, he said, he, he went to the crowd first and then, then the, the, Luke brings up the tax collectors. That, that the same question. And then the soldiers. Same question. What, what can I do? It's the right attitude. Listen. Instead, who got left out? The Pharisees. The Sadducees. The religious group. They didn't come and say, what should I do? You know what they did when they came? They said, here's what I do. I do this. I fast. I fast twice a week. And I pay my tithes. And I, 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 do, and, and, and I do this. All those easy things. They said, we do those. Let's never get away from the fact that we're sinners. Saved by grace. How many sinners we got here? Raise your hand. Saved by grace. Oh, you're not a... You're not, a sinner? Somebody, somebody will automatically take objection to me saying you're all sinners. And the only sign that is is you got a problem in your attitude. And listen, when we can't be told, we need to check our heart out. When we won't listen. I've had people, I've had people do this. I've had people come to Christ. I think they came to Christ. And, and I... They, they'd say, what, what I need to do about this, uh, what, this bad situation? I said, well, you, you need to take care of business. You need to do the right thing. And they go their own way. Just like in John 6. In John 6. You know, you, here's how you remember the, the story I'm telling you about in John 6. John 6, 6, 6. That's three sixes. That's an antichrist, right? In the Bible numerics, that, that tells you something. Don't forget Bible numerics. And many did not follow him anymore after that time. Here it is. Long as the preacher and the teacher and the church tells you what you want to hear and does what you want them to do, you're on board. But the moment they cross you, you're out of here. There's something wrong with the start of that whole situation that showed up now. Our heart needs to be where it needs to be. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think this preacher's always right? Ain't nobody raised their hand. You'd be a hypocrite if you did. I'm trying to buy a little bargaining with the preacher here. No, you know, I'm not. Hey, I have, I have made decisions that have been wrong. And I'll tell you something. I've been told to do things by others that was wrong. You can't get it right all the time. It's not about that. It's about loving Jesus. The right question gives the indication of the right spirit. The right questions. What are you asking? What do you want? Do you realize that we really don't know our own hearts? 
Jeremiah 17 tells us, I believe it's verse 3, that our hearts are desperately wicked. He says, who can know it? Well, you know who can? God can. And guess what? He'll reveal your heart to you through your reading of His Word. Holy Spirit will use the tool, the sword of the Spirit, and Hebrews 4.12, and He'll pierce your heart and He'll change your life. But if you don't want to hear from God, don't read the Bible. Right instructions was given to him in verse 11, 13, and 14. John says, well, here's an example of what you need to do. He said, don't be stealing something don't belong to you. Don't be taking something don't belong to you. Be satisfied. Be content with what, you, what you've been given there for your job. You agreed to it. Now be happy with it. He didn't say take wages. He said, if you agreed to it, that's what he's saying. You, you need to follow through on your agreement. You need to keep your word. Let me tell you something. A Christian needs to be a person of their word. We don't need to be a liar. A deceiver. Once we lie, deceive, we need to ask God to forgive us. And once, if it's been a true repentance, then, hey, it's behind you then. It's behind you. Now let's go to 15. And as the people, as the people were, expectat- uh, were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he be the Christ or not, and they're saying, oh, he's the Christ. That preacher of ours, he's Jesus. He's just like Jesus. I know y'all say that all the time about me. Quit saying that. I don't think I've ever heard that one. They said, this guy's got to be the Christ. He's got to be Jesus. And John said, no. And he points to Jesus. And let me tell you something, friend. When someone says something good about you, What they're doing is opening the door for you to point to Jesus. You must be the Christ, John. He said, no, I'm not. He is. We don't need to take any credit for any good thing because our hearts are evil, our deeds are evil. We need to give all the honor and glory, and then we need to point to Jesus. Point to Jesus. Oh, John, he said, I baptize with water, but Jesus, he baptizes with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and fire. And that's just saying Jesus is going to clean the place up. He's going to straighten the place up. And let me tell you something. If your life is not straightened up, you need Jesus in your life. If you allow Him to have His residence, and then allow Him to be president, He'll clean your life. He'll get the gutters cleaned out, too. He'll burn the chaff. He'll gather the wheat. This is definitely a reference to the final judgments, the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. Now, there's a word about repentance in, in the text that we need not over, overlook because we wouldn't know anything about John's uh, ministry. You know, we just think he baptized, but he, he, he preached the baptism of repentance. And we do too. You have to turn to the Lord to be saved. Change of mind about sin. We need to hate sin. If you don't hate sin, you'll end up loving sin. He preached that the wrath of God is coming. And guess what, young people? The wrath of God is coming. The longer you put the Holy Spirit off and say no to the Holy Spirit, the farther you get away from being saved. Today is the accepted day. Now is the time for you to give your heart to Jesus 
and be saved. Oh, I'm waiting for some more convenient time. There was a guy that said that to Paul, and we have no record of that guy ever getting saved. Judgment is coming. Hell is real. Heaven's real. Jesus is going to separate the wheat from the chaff. Repentance for remission of sin. Listen, folks, don't try to take repentance out of being saved or living the Christian life. To turn to the Lord from sin. Sadly, today, you can get into church so easy. It's so easy. I remember reading in, I can't remember what chapter of of uh, the book of Acts, but this guy come up to Peter and them and said, Hey, I want to be baptized. You know what we would have said? Get the water ready. And they said, No, we're not going to baptize you. Wow. It's so easy. It's so easy to be quote-unquote Christian today. So easy to call ourselves a Christian today. But Jesus is going to sort it all out. The wheat and the chaff. Hey, you know, that fake wheat looks just like wheat, but it don't produce any fruit. No grain. Now, I'm going to tell you something. It would not be wrong of you to try to make a little effort to win somebody to Jesus if you're saved. If you can sit home and watch television and, 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 and just play in your yard and go to work and come home and not try to win anybody to Christ, you may be chaff. You may not be real. You know, the reality of your salvation is not now, you, you need to go back to a day. That's true, but that's not the final proof. The final, the final proof is what's going on now that proves. I, I said this last week, going to say it again. If you were arrested for being a, a Christian, could they find enough evidence to convict you? Call the witnesses. Here comes your neighbor. Oh, Lord, don't let them come up here. Oh, We've hated each other for years. Oh, the guy down, the guy down at the, at the drive-through. Oh, don't don't bring that guy that where I go through there and do things I shouldn't do at the drive. No, 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 no. Bring the preacher up. Oh yeah, yeah, he's a Christian. Yeah, oh yeah, come to church. Yeah, every now and then. I ain't very good preacher, you. Come on, preacher, can't you say anything else? About you know, I've had people come to me, want me to do their relative's funeral, and, and they'll, they'll say, now, we want you to say something good about them. And that reminds me of the preacher that this guy died. He was the worst. He was a part of the, he, I mean, he, he's part of the crime group and in, 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 in the, the, the city where they lived. And, and, and that preacher said, uh, he said to that preacher, he said, preacher, my, my, my brother died, and I, I just want you to say something good about him. And, and he was worse than his brother. Or maybe, you know. And the preacher said, man, I can't do it. I, I can't. I'm not going to get up there and lie. He said, preacher, I'll give you $1,000. He said, let me, I think I can figure something out. I think I'd come up. 
And here's what he did. He went up there to the preacher, to preach that brother's funeral, and he's preaching that old brother's funeral, and he's telling it just like he was. He said he was a, he was a criminal. He was a womanizer. He was a, a thief. He said, but compared to his brother, he was an angel. He said one good thing about him, didn't he? It don't matter what the preacher says about you. It's what God knows, isn't it? But it is important about what the world thinks about us. And we need to have consistency. We don't have to be perfect, but we need to turn to the Lord. There needs to be repentance when we foul up. Consistency. You know, the world's not looking for a perfect Christian. They don't like them either. <laughs> but they're looking for one that's believable. And that's where we need to live. So this is a message of John, and this is our message too. And this is kind of an introduction to it all. It's going to get better. I want us to bow our heads and quietly stand our feet. John would say, I would love to baptize you today if you would give me evidence that you're sincere and that this is real. I want to say to you today, shouldn't you be baptized? Yes, you should. But you need to be sincerely saved to follow the Lord in that step of baptism. We're going to be baptizing coming up here. If anyone would make a profession of faith today, we invite you to come and declare your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. I'm inviting a Christian to come to the altar to pray about what's going on in their life. Or pray for someone else. Would you come? Would you come? Amen. Many are coming. Doing business personally with God. This is a place... We can, we can meet with God. We can lay it on the altar and ask the Lord's help and strength. This is the place we can make a profession of what we're going to do, who we're going to live for. Let's sing that out now. Would you come? Would you follow Jesus today?
one more verse. Would you come today? What about a Christian that's not made the mess, but you need to turn? You need to turn. Would you come? Would you turn today? Bring it to the altar. follow the Lord in baptism? That's a short verse. Let's do one more.